<laughs> hey, dear sister, thank you for joining me today. I drop new episodes every Thursday, sometimes featuring just me and sometimes featuring a dear sister or brother. I haven't had a solo brother yet. I should probably do that soon, right? This month of April is special because we are raising awareness and learning about how we can be biblically wise when it comes to abuse. Today's episode is just that. How can we be biblically wise in navigating abusive relationships? Let me say that again because that word biblical is kind of sort of tricky. So, biblically, yep. <laughs> Not just in marriage, but also parental, friendships, workplace, and many other relationships. So, are you ready? If you are, I want you to come on in and let's figure it out. Let's go! <laughs> hi everyone hi dear sister thank you and welcome to choose to live free podcast this is kate akoka daisy and it is great to have you listening today i have some life updates for y'all so i am so excited and so happy because guess what your sister is winding down the two-year journey of a second master's education my first master's was in Master's of Business Administration and Human Resources. And somewhere along the way of going around the sun, God called me to the second master's. And it has something to do with my purpose. And so I am so excited because after two years, and I mean two years of going through this process, I have a lot to say. <laughs> And I pray that someday I'll get the chance to kind of talk all about that. But for now, I'm excited. So I am winding down this part of my being and winding up what is to come in the next season. And I cannot wait. How is my heart? My heart, I will say, is healing. My heart, I will say, is in a place of becoming peaceful with some things. As you walk through different journeys in life. Sometimes you meet people, sometimes you come across different hearts, and sometimes, you know, people have been with you and they walk with you. And sometimes along the way, um, especially during this two-year journey, uh, relationships have changed, perspectives have changed, and so on. And so as that happens, you have to allow yourself time to heal. And I am healing from that. I am healing from some pain. I am healing from a lot of things. And that is the work of heart transformation. Your heart never stops working. It never stops beating. As long as your heart is beaten, that means there is life to be lived and you got to live it. Whether it's up, whether it's down, you got to live it. Okay. All right. And also I have really been off of social media for a while now. The Holy Spirit actually asked me to log out and I had to be obedient. And so I have been logged out and he is asking me to, God is asking me to work on a project that I cannot disobey. So I started working on that project and it is so exciting. I mean, so exciting. So stay tuned to this podcast because you'll be one of the few and the first to hear it when it's launched. Also, because I've been on social media, I find myself asking my husband about, you know, what's going on in this world. And I said, so at some point I was like, hey, is your phone as quiet as my phone has been lately? And he's like, well, the groups are not quiet, but individually, yeah, I'm not hearing much from people. So 
it's not so much me being off of social media. It's just that life is really happening to a lot of us, right? And so I hope that even with this podcast episode today that you are going to take a lot out of it, all right? This podcast, hmm, what I aim to do with this podcast and the wider ministry of I Am Free Woman is to help you heal and transform your heart and mind as you choose to live free in Christ every day. I believe healing is our choice, and once we embrace that process, we can truly heal others as we are healed. So I say, heal people, heal people. <laughs> you are now hearing other people say it, but remember, you heard it here first, okay? This is the original, all right. I want to shout out Renia Lomote for following us on Instagram. Renia and I actually met recently uh, in person, and I must tell you, she has been a blessing. She has been a joy. Renia, thank you so much for your words of encouragement, your words of wisdom, and basically being uh, an author all around just a beautiful person. And we actually have a get together coming up, and I can't wait to spend some time with you, dear sister. So thank you for your support. It is great to have you join our Choose to Live Free, dear sister community, and it warms my heart greatly that you are a part of I Am Free Woman Ministries. This podcast is me and you navigating the world of healing the heart and mind by integrating faith and well-being tools to activate your spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical healing, as well as your financial well-being and other well-beings such as, such as your sexual and so on and so forth. I bring the parts of me that are healed and the parts that are still healing, along with important friends that I will invite to sit with me and sit with us as we discuss and share compelling stories of freedom. (laughs) Walking the rich and beautiful life of faith plus being your authentic godly self can sometimes be so tricky. Choose to live free podcast is my way of making faith work plus healing plus everything in between about life and living it relatable and joy-filled. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. We all need people. And if you have been listening to this podcast for a while, new and old listeners, I want to say thank you to you for joining me on this ride. So huh? toxic relationships, where do I begin? Before we dive into the biblical approaches to handling toxic and abusive relationships, I want to look at some definitions because that's me, y'all. You know, your girl. I like definitions, okay? So first is abuse, the improper use of something, the misuse of something. The synonym is misuse. Treating a person or an animal with cruelty or violence, especially regularly uh, or repeatedly cruel and also violent treatment of a person or animal. Hmm. One that I want us to remember when it comes to this definition of abuse is this, abnormal use, abuse, abnormal use of a thing, the abnormal treatment of a thing or person. So when we look at relationships such as abnormal use is as a result of abnormal use of power, abnormal use of control, abnormal use of how we understand the person, abnormal, 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 abnormal treatment because of lack of knowledge or distortion. Understanding is not clear and the roles and purpose of the relationship is not clear and so things happen. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Parent and child relationship, when there is abnormal use, this is what it looks like. There is an abnormal use of a parent's authority and that results in verbal abuse, 
emotional neglect, physical abuse, and so on, even fear of losing control as the parent. Incest. When there is incest, it is abnormal use of authority, abnormal use of role and personal sexual urges, as well as fantasies and selfish desires. Friendships. When there is abnormal use in friendship, it is the abnormal use of power, fear of losing control, envy, jealousy, and so on. Now let's look at the next one. When it comes to church, for example, it is abnormal use of power, abnormal use of authority, selfishness, and so on, selfish desires. When it comes to the workplace, abnormal use of power, fear of losing control, not being respected, and so on. Now, for the big one, marriage, abnormal use of power, not understanding the roles of both male and female in the relationship, fear of losing control and respect, fear of not being submitted to each other, right? Or especially the man fearing that the woman is not going to be submissive. Lots to say about submission. So, you know what? Let me give you a, a tip. If you make it your goal to serve one another in your relationship, you leave little room to focus on whose power should be placed where. That's your tip for today when it comes to that. These are just a few and all of these examples are heavily influenced by the opinions of the systems that the individuals in the relationship are connected to. There are cultural practices, there are religious practices. Mind you, I did not even try and say godly practices because the Bible does not mention one religion or one religious practice as the practice for everyone. God's intent from the beginning of creation in Genesis was for man, generic to mean all humans, to live in close covenant with him. So in the Bible, you don't see Methodist, you don't see Catholic, you don't see Presbyterian, you don't see Anglican, you don't see Baptist, you don't see SDA, you don't see any of those. Those are man-made religions. What you see is godly. God wants us to be godly. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to be righteous. The intent and creation of male and female was made and established there, right there in the garden. So you can read Genesis 1 and 2 to find out about that. The intent and creation of male and female was made and established there. No religious affiliations, no rules like, you know, drink this, don't drink that, all that. God made it clear what we needed to do right from the beginning. Rules and regulations and all that came as a result of the fall of man. We needed all those things in order for us to be able to live in harmony in the world. Simply, God mandated both male and female. So God created mankind in his own image. It says in Genesis 1, 27 to 29, in his image, he created us male and female. And he told us to be fruitful and increase in number, right? I talk a lot more about this when it comes to God's intent in episode six, married and free. So I want you to go listen to that. So the influences we see in relationships are truly man-made with the motive to basically overexert our powers on each other. If we all were to look to the interest of others, such as the one that we are told in Philippians 2, 1 to 3, we'll be so much better. If we all were to look out for the interest of the other person, serving them, loving them, knowing their inherent purpose and why they're here, treating them the way we would be treated and going beyond that and treating them the way Jesus would, can you imagine how the relationships we have right now could look like? Wow. 
Let me highlight one concept from Genesis 1.27 for you. We see that in the image of God, he created as male and female. Now I want to share an aha moment with you. If one says that they have reverential fear for the Lord, they love God and they are a child of God, what you are essentially saying is that the spirit of God lives in you. Thus, your heart is working on being as close to God as possible. But then again, we have all fallen short and that's why there is repentance of sins that we must engage in often. In Hebrews 1, we see a beautiful affirmation from the Father, God, to the Son, Jesus. As I read this a few weeks ago, this was the aha, and it changed some things in me and in my heart when it comes to even how I parent my kids. The people we encounter in life are all created in God's image, yet they have been given the free will to walk in that image or choose something else. Wow. You and I have the ability to choose to view another image than be in the image of God. Anytime we go against the biblical principles and ways that would keep our path straight, we are choosing to obey different image, images or imitate a different image. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So, what does that mean? For example, parents, your children bear your image. So, how are you speaking into them? Are you loving them? How are you supporting them? The negative thoughts, abuses, and toxicity in their relationships. Oh, my goodness. What does that say about your own image? Ouch, that hurts. And it does. Same can be said for husbands and wives. Two shall become one. What image are you choosing to represent when you engage in so much selfishness and toxicity in your marriages? And the same extends to other relationships as well in the workplace, in church, and so on. So then, and notice I didn't say male to male marriage or female to female marriage because I work biblically. And so my calling, my way of doing things, preaching, teaching, all that comes from that view. So then, what does the Bible have to say about abuse and toxic relationships? It has a lot to say because I've already shared that he created all of us in our own in his own image, right? Male and female. So to be in specific roles and fulfill our purpose, we need to know what he's asking us to do. Navigating toxic relationships is very difficult. And while we focus so much on the abuse, we also have to remember the abuser underneath all that cruelty is also suffering. I want to highlight five key relationship principles that biblically we must practice well. These principles clearly show us that God did not remain silent on the topic of abuse, oppression, and toxicity in relationships. When you think of abuse, I don't want you to think of just the singular acts such as sexual oppression and all that. You also want to think about the word oppression itself. What we can do about them is what I'm about to talk about. There are five biblical principles on preventing toxicity in relationships, and they are mindful communication, managed emotions, appropriate use of authority and power, love and forgiveness, roles and responsibilities. So let's look at these principles a bit closer. 
that is the time and this is the time that I really want you to lean in dear sister and I really want you to tune in and if you have sisters women in the, your circles I want you to share this with them you don't have to be in an abusive or toxic relationship to keep these principles close even young women and girls I wish I had been taught these principles as a teenage girl I would have avoided kissing so many frogs <laughs> in my life before meeting my prince and king. Yep. As always, I'll make these principles as practical as possible for your consumption. So here we go. First up, mindful communication. Being religious and not knowing how to communicate makes your religion worthless. Ouch, ouch, ouch. That is from James 1.26. I told y'all, the Bible is clear and strict to the point. The principle of good, healthy communication is seen in many parts of the Bible. When communicating with others, we should be quick to listen, which means this, put down the distractions and pick up intentional attunement to what the other person is saying. This way, we will be able to be slow to speak because your brain literally will be fully attentive to that person and not trying to catch up on what they are saying. And this way, your emotions will be in check and frustrations don't lead to anger. It all starts there. Being quick to listen, y'all. Being quick to listen. Another one of my favorite qualities of good communication is speaking what will build others up and not tear them down. This can range anywhere from insults and verbal abuses rained on each other to full-on gossip dissertations. <laughs> And sprinkled in there are ridicule, sarcasm, and even assumptions that have no merit. And oh, don't forget hearsay. To answer before listening, that is foolishness. And that is from Proverbs 18.13. To answer before listening, that is foolishness. The next time you are in a meeting, I just want you to look around and see how many times you, are, you feel the urge or you're prompted to answer before you speak. It is hard, right? Need I say more? So the next time you're there, just count the number of times you get to the, that urge to interrupt someone while they are speaking. It is hard. There are so many gentle answering that you can do. For example, it says, the Bible says, gentle answering turns away wrath. Your mouth must promote prudence and instruction. Avoid godless chatter. So as I'm sharing these with you, I remember telling one of my friends a while ago that I am still working on gentle parenting. And it is true. It's the obvious truth. Because guess what? Remember, I mentioned that there are factors that influence us as we grow. Our families that we grew up in have a huge impact on us. That is why these days we see a lot of people trying to heal from their family wounds and break generational cycles and curses. It is not that easy, but with the Holy Spirit's help, change can transform a whole generation. I did not grow up with gentle parenting. And of course, naturally, I don't do gentle parenting. And so I am now very cognizant of how I talk to my kids, how I encourage them, how I parent them and so on. And it takes some time for that change to happen. The second relationship principle is managing our emotions well. So they don't manage us. Yep. Because of Moses' anger, we know he didn't see the promised land. Anger led Simon Peter to cut off the ears of the high priest's servant. And this one, it reminds me of the Real Housewives of New Jersey when Teresa flipped a table. 
Now, scripture doesn't clearly state that Jesus was angry when he overturned the money changers' tables and chairs, and that is from Matthew and Mark and so on. But imagine that you're happy, you're calm, you're cool, you're collected. What's the point? Would you flip a table? I mean, the emotion is not there for that, right? There is holy anger and there is unholy anger. So the next time you're angry, remember to think which one of these resonates with you, the holy anger or the unholy anger. The Bible mentions and expands on many emotions. There is joy, there is anxiety, there is fear, there is sadness, and so on. Relating to abuse and toxic relationships, though, the most prevalent anger mentioned over 200 times in the Bible. Anger is a good emotion and is there to warn us. It's a warning that something needs to be attended to. But oftentimes we externalize our anger after many silent internalizations of anger. We keep the monster in for so long, then boom, we blow up. And there goes anger that is not holy, right? And so holy anger is be angry and yet do not sin. Okay. So go back to communication, the communication principle I shared earlier, and activate some of the practices there so that you don't get angry. And one of those was what? You have to be quick to listen. You may need to find a healthy outlet for your emotions. You may need to also figure out what you can do in those situations when your emotions are running high. I personally became aware that when I am often distracted, I am more prone to being triggered and frustrated. That's a tip for you. Being attentive and present helps us develop understanding for ourselves when our emotions are raging and racing and we learn to hear others out. So if you want less toxicity in your relationships, manage your emotions well. The third principle is appropriate use of the power and authority we gain not the one that we give ourselves. I want to pause here and say that if you read the Bible carefully, anyone who had power and authority that was holy, that was healthy, was given by God, was given by a priest. They did not impose it upon themselves. So notice I mentioned, and even look at how Jesus gained his power. It wasn't imposed. And we hear that people saying that now, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, all those things. But God gave Jesus power. So when you gain that power, when you have the right to call yourself a husband, to call yourself a wife, to call yourself a parent, to call yourself a friend, to call yourself a boss, to call yourself whatever, whatever power you have been given, know that it is for an intended purpose. We gain power because we gain it. And if you did not gain it, and you superimpose it upon yourself, hmm, how is that going? The Bible explains authority and power in relationships as servanthood, where we are to serve one another. When you demand to have your own way in a relationship without consideration for others, that is a misuse of authority and power, and it stems from selfishness or looking out for your own personal interests. To be great in life, you must learn to serve. And I want you to read Mark 10. Some believe that it doesn't take much and especially believe that it does not take believing in God to be good. Well, I say that believing in God makes you a great human being. 
it takes believing in God to be a great human being. Let me mention pride here. The Bible warns us about it and we must heed to such warning because if left to grow, we become prideful. We take more interest in ourselves, our own accomplishments. We dominate conversations talking about ourselves and rarely compliment others and we rarely serve others. Serving others is possible when you embody one of the greatest virtues, which is meekness and humility. When we humble ourselves, not under any other authority, but under the mighty hand of God, he definitely and surely will lift us up. Moving on. The fourth relationship principle is love. Serving people is loving God and serving God is loving people, period. I won't spend too much time here because episode nine of the Choose to Live Free podcast talks all about love, but I'll give you some highlights. What is a healthy, toxic-free relationship without love? It's toxic. I singled out love from the section on emotions because love is more than an emotion. It is a decision we make to love another person and not just love them, but learn to forgive them when they wrong us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Because of love, you forgive, you show mercy, you serve, You take an interest in another's life. You listen. You refrain from hurting them. You treasure their very existence in your life. Because of love, you choose to heal. In today's world, many relationships throw around, I love you, I love you, I love you. (laughs) Yet such love is filled with deep sorrows, hurts and pains, unforgiveness and so on. Love, true love, is that which we taught We are taught in 1 Corinthians 13. To love like that, we all need the daily renewal of the mind and transformation of the heart. Simple. And that also is part of that forgiveness that we must embody. Let me say this about forgiving abusers. First of all, if you are in any relationship that is toxic, you know the complexity of the relationship. However, here's what I will say from a biblical point of view. If you are saying, if you're staying because someone reminded you that God hates divorce and so you stayed and that it is unbiblical to leave your family, this is what I want you to hear me out on. Joseph fled. King David fled. Jesus' parents, they fled. And so many others. Moses fled. And so, 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 so many others, right? God told them to leave. An angel assisted them to leave. What is God telling you to do about that toxic relationship? Not what your friend, family members, or society and culture, your pastor, spiritual mom or father is saying. What do you know as the right thing to save your life? And if you have kids, model healthy relationships for them to see. What are you doing? What are you doing? Dear sister, dear brother. Listen, dear sister, dear brother. You know what to do. And God is waiting to guide you. Whatever you want, ask him. You can forgive your abusers at some point when you have fully reconciled your feelings and everything with God. You can do that. You can forgive them. But you don't have to stay or continue to be with them. Reconciliation does not mean being with them. Reconciliation is you being on good terms with that person. However it comes, however God shows you to do it, you do it. 
but you don't harbor anything in your heart towards them. That is reconciliation. There may be a time and a day for reconciliation, a healthy whole reconciliation, but that must occur under the guidance and healing of the Holy Spirit. You need to heal and that abuser also needs to heal. Lastly, the principle of adaptable roles and responsibilities in relationships. This goes with understanding and knowing your purpose and why something exists, okay? If you don't know the purpose of something, you will abuse and misuse it every single time and it becomes worthless. And so you have people abusing and being cruel to each other in relationship because guess what? Do you know the inherent purpose of that person that you're with? Because if you valued their worth, you won't abuse them. You value diamonds and so you take care of them. You value gold, you take care of them. If you value your children, you take care of them right? In relationships, ongoing conversations and flexibility to adapt is so important because we change and will continue to evolve as we are all growing and thriving and doing the things that we ought to do in our lives. So in relationships, you have to make room for adaptability to change, to evolve. Life happens, jobs change, circumstances, kids, health, and so on. We must be ready to adapt to the changing seasons of life. There is a time for everything under the sun, the Bible says. Some days we may be the chef in the home as a father because mom needs to run errands. That should be okay. Sometimes dad steps in as the child care caregiver because mom has to work late. That should be okay. Sometimes mom has to be the one to bring home the bacon, the money, the salary, whatever it is, while dad hopefully is balancing things out at home and that should be okay. Again, all of this sounds simple, right? It's doable, yet it is so complex because of other competing factors which make the role and responsibility that male and females are supposed to have very gray. And where there is gray and nothing black and white, you're bound to get misunderstandings and misconceptions. Adaptability is so important here. Learn fast and learn smart. One of my favorite Bible verses reminds us of adaptability. Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Yep, I can hear you reciting it and I want you to finish it. Yep. So, dear sister, dear brother, there you have it. Five key principles that shame toxicity in relationships. I do not know where you are in your walk with the Lord or how your relationship is doing, but I do pray that after today, you will be able to stand on some of these truths and affirm who you are in Christ, believing that he does not want you to be abused or be in any relationship where you feel unloved. That wasn't his plan for you and it's not going to change. And I need you to believe that. Here are your three thoughts. Thought number one, abuse is never and was never God's design. Human heart is deceitful above all things. And so over time, love has been misunderstood. What you see in the world as love is purely lust and people are being hurt by it. If you are in any situation that gives you pause about the person that you're with, please, please, please seek guidance and immediate help. Love doesn't have to hurt. Your self-esteem and ability to heal and survive and thrive is quite important. 
Thought number two, be aware of your emotions before they run you down. Learn healthy ways to ease the tensions in your heart. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Here's a tip for you. When you ask clarifying questions, the anger eventually fades away while you are conversation or while you are in conversations or conversing with that person. Thought number three, remember these five key relational biblical principles and use them. Mindful communication, managed emotions, appropriate use of power and authority, love and forgiveness, adaptable roles and responsibilities. Practice them and watch your relationships blossom. Here are your three words for today. Healthy, healthy, healthy relationships. Wholesome, wholesome, wholesome communication. Wholesome relationships. And respect one another. Here are your three actions for today. Please, please, please rate, review the podcast. Follow us, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on social media, wherever you plug us in. Please, 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 I want you to pass this on because there are so many women and sisters that need this information that need to heal, that need to grow biblically. Here is a journal prompt for you. Three questions that I want you to ask yourself and journal on. First question, how do you see yourself? Second question, how do you think God sees you? And third question, how do you think others see you? Whatever God is asking you to do for a better, healthy relationship, do not delay. It is always great working in my purpose of teaching and building others up in the Lord. And I pray and hope that you will hear me out and you will hear my heart as I talk to you about the ways in which God wants you to heal biblically. Living free is everyday godly decisions that frees your heart and mind, feeds your heart and mind, and focuses your heart and mind. My heart is full and I hope yours is too. Listen, dear sister, I want us to be different. I want you to live that fullness of your calling, and I'm hoping that you will get to do that and you will get to walk joyfully free in your purpose. So let's choose to be free. Let's choose to live free. Let's choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged exceptional women and men of God. And I want you to know this. I want you to know that healed people heal people. So go out there and heal someone today. And until next time, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to choose to live free. I love you. Bye.